0: It's like, unless you get that text, the exchange sucks and it (laughs) devastates your day. Unless you get this one specific kind of interaction that you've probably never been able to have with them before. Yep, It's just like, it feels like an impossible situation.
1: Hi, welcome back to Not For Everyone. We're a podcast about a hater and a lover talking. You come here, you you get some words, and you leave. And maybe you've learned something. Maybe you've laughed. Maybe you're mad at us. But something happens, and then you're done. And then the hour passes. Hi, Caroline.
0: Hey, girl. How are you? That was a wild intro.
1: <laughs> we just spent forever figuring out Like sound issues. Um, There might also be background noise, just so that people know there's like massive construction projects happening at my building right now. So it might be kind of weird. But anyway, I'm already loopy from our 30 minutes pre recording. So that's what you get for an intro today. I felt like I described us perfectly.
0: (laughs) I think you did. No, you did describe us perfectly. Yeah, you did a great job. I've never felt so bullied by a microphone and a pair of Bluetooth. AirPods that were not cooperating. I mean, technology was really bullying us for the last couple of minutes.
1: So AirPods are the real bullies. Do your AirPods ever do the thing where like they're literally in the other room in their case closed and they connect to whatever you're listening to? Like I'll be listening to music or be on a call for work on my laptop and it's playing out loud like from that's the laptop so and then all of a sudden i can't hear people anymore and it's because my airpods decided to connect from the case from while my while they're
0: closed no yes. that's what people are talking about when they're like ai is going to start making like <laughs> conscious choices it's happening and it's just it's just AirPods connecting to shit on their own will. Also, they do totally fall out of my ear. I feel like they fit in my ears for like several months. And then all of a sudden, it's making me feel kind of weird and self-conscious about my ear hole size. <laughs> like, I feel like I've got probably in the spectrum of ear holes, probably, I probably fall somewhere in the medium hole range. Sure.
1: That's been right? my observation. Yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah, based on based on what you've tasted. I don't think they're the biggest. I don't think they're the smallest, but like it's like I can't get an airpod to fucking fill my ear hole.
1: Wow. I mean, wow. is that the problem? That's a That um, make me sound like, like a slut. <laughs> well, no, that's like symbolic of these tech titans who are comparing dick size basically right now. Like
0: the oh, airpods aren't yeah. big enough
1: and neither is Who's the guy who runs Apple now? Because it's not Steve Jobs anymore, obviously. Whatever. His dick. Cook. Cook. Cook.
0: Is it a cook? Is it fucking cook?
1: Cook. 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 Sometimes people <laughs> write into the podcast and they write kooks as cooks. I think just some of our international listeners probably, which I love that we even can say we have international listeners. So I'm yeah. not shading them. Freaking love it. My parents' second language is English. I got you. You're fine. It's confusing that cook, that cook starts My with K. My first language.
0: My first language is English. And I don't want to talk to you about how I had to Google the word undoubtedly the other day, so. Oof,
1: that's a tough one. Yeah, it's a cruel language. It's a cruel world. AirPods are cruel. Speaking also of, like, your ear size. Yeah, I wanted
0: to go back to that. I wanted to go back to how big you think they are.
1: (laughs) Well, no, it just made me think of, like, the ways that my body is failing me lately. Totally, totally. Tell me. I am currently wearing compression socks that go like up to my knees for the first time in my life because my body is failing quickly like red alert something's wrong I got a Mm -hmm. massage yesterday actually I have like a tip for everyone which is don't get a bikini wax and a massage on the same day
0: oh shit oh I'm wait
1: I've been beat up wait everywhere
0: wait I I would not think I was gonna say I would not think there's much of overlap in the Venn diagram of the massage and the bikini wax unless you're getting a very uh, deep massage. Um, but you're just saying your body's beat.
1: My body's, no. I, well, it was beat before and now it's beat afterwards. I do prefer right. like a deep tissue massage since I do a lot of strength training. Like I don't want them just rubbing lotion on oh, me. Oh,
0: hard agree. But like they shouldn't be getting to the vulva.
1: She was. <laughs> I would think. She wasn't getting to the vulva, but it was between the bikini wax that like, Is ripping at my vulva for 10 minutes to then going to a massage right after and like getting my legs stretched out. Like my hips were really tight. So she wasn't only massaging, she was like moving them in like a counterclockwise circle like three times. It was really good, but my whole body. From vulva to tippy toes <laughs> and up
0: was, with my Was nose. beat by strangers. Was beat yeah. by fucking strangers.
1: All in one day. You'd think that it was like getting all your self-care done in the same day. Dude,
0: stop fucking calling. Okay, massage <laughs> self-care. Stop fucking <laughs> calling waxes self-care. Unless we're also. It is it is it is an identical experience as far as i'm concerned to like wearing corsets unless we want to call wearing corsets mm. self-care like it's not fucking self-care and it drives me crazy every time i walk by european wax center and they're always pitching it that way yeah like it it's the most painful thing i've done in my life and i'm not enlightened beyond mm-hmm. wanting a hairless baby's body, of course that's right. what I want. Of course that's what I want. I want to look prepubescent.
1: I'm a, of course. I'm a
0: weak, I'm a weak, <laughs> weak woman. But.
1: I know. I know you I mean, don't at believe le- mean, let's at
0: least, let's at least own up to the ways we're torturing ourselves. For, and it's not even all, I'm not even going to say it's all for the male gaze because it's not. I also just like, like, why am I fucking dealing with armpit hair? Ever. For a day. Like, why? Right. But, I can't. It hurts me.
1: It's really not all for the male gaze. Although it definitely, I would say like the first time I ever wanted to remove hair from my body, it was for the male gaze. But then once I started doing it, I was like, oh, actually, this also makes me feel kind of cleaner. Like I like it and prefer it too. It can be both. But the first time I ever walked into a European wax center, yeah, it wasn't, I didn't know yet what that experience was like. So I didn't know I was going to personally like it. I just went because...
0: That's what I thought you'd
1: do to, like, be sexy or something. I
0: just think that they should be legal. I know I can't stop talking about lasering, but I just don't know why. I'm trying to spread the gospel of lasering to people. It will cost you less than two years of shaving with razors. It will cost you less than a year of waxing. It does not hurt nearly. It's not even comparable. Interesting. The pain level, and it's forever. I it's forever.
1: We need to talk about it more because even though everything that we just said about waxing is true, like it's – I agree with you even though I've been brainwashed to think it's self-care. It's not really. It's a painful experience. But I do look forward to it because I like the result so much compared to what I did before, which was shaving. And, like, I had so many bumps. We've talked about this yeah. before. Um, but I bet I would feel that way times Five or, or something If I started doing laser I don't know What's stopping me It's just like I'm in my routine And I'm like This is the, That time Every month When I Yeah I'm in pain for 10 minutes and then it feels amazing afterwards. (laughs) Well, I
0: I guess maybe it hasn't gotten that bad for you. It was so bad for me. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast or not, but I I told you I was taking shots in the parking lot of European Wax Center in order to go in because it was just so painful to me and I feel like I have a very high pain tolerance generally. Something about it yeah. Yeah. Sure. I would take shots to go in a little bit drunk, and that really helped. And then eventually I saw myself drunk in the parking lot of a European wax center, <laughs> and I was like, huh, I wonder if there's another way.
1: <laughs> there has to be an alternative to this. I
0: wonder much. if there's another much. way. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I'm about wrapping up my however many sessions of waxing and...
1: Or lasering, you mean?
0: Lasering, lasering. Oh my god. Yeah. Please. Yeah. I don't know. I just recommend it to everyone. Highly recommend. Highly recommend.
1: Okay. This yeah. is what you're going to get on this podcast is just two <sighs> sides of a debate that doesn't of every really matter and story. is extremely <laughs> extremely personal to each person. You're going to get the argument for both sides of it. That's
0: I would I say mean. like like reflecting on myself in this conversation, we've had so many Highly personal debates on this podcast on like really important topics, and I think I'm the most emotional about this one. I totally basically don't accept that other people will continue to wax. I don't accept it, I don't accept it, and I kind of feel like I'm gonna cry talking about it. Like, I'm (laughs) upset.
1: (laughs) You leave space. everything about me that is different from you except the fact that i get bikini waxes yeah Yeah.
0: except for the (laughs) except for the way that you remove hair from your body
1: i can't it's offensive i get it maybe that's part of the reason i keep doing it is i just want to keep some spice in our relationship i was
0: gonna say i want to say keeping the spice there you i think growing up is growing up uh, no i'm not growing up but i am growing older getting older is a lot of realizing like the weird Tricks you have to do to keep things sexy, and totally. one of them is continuing a never-ending debate about body hair removal between the <laughs> two of us. So that this can be a sexy podcast.
1: That would be such a good segue into our first what to do. I know. Should we just do it? Should we just do it? Yeah. We'll just fucking do it. Totally. Totally. Um. <laughs> yeah, we're doing what to do to what to do doos. <laughs> <laughs> To go back in time and just let people know if you're new to the podcast and haven't binged everything, we call these episodes What to Do because apparently whenever we approach like listener DMs, I can't talk and my words just like fall over. Like my tongue just stops working. And uh, one time I said what to do, but it actually came out What to Do. That's the nomenclature. Get on board, and it with felt
0: it. it felt fitting because although these are kind of our episodes where it gets advice podcasty. It's not dear Abby. It's not good advice. Like I have to say this every time. Some there might be some good advice that gets in there. Right. But I'm not, um, I'm not a dating pro. I'm not a living pro. I'm not a friend pro. I just think of it as like, if you want to hear what we would most likely do in this situation as a friend, we'll share what we would most likely do. And as I think is like true for any time you ask advice for from someone, like consider the source. Mm-hmm. Like, it might be interesting to hear this person's opinion, but that doesn't mean you necessarily want to follow it. That doesn't mean it necessarily sits right with you. Maybe you just take a piece of it. So I'm never answering this in the tone of like, I have the answer never what to do it's more like what to do right perfectly said it's what i might do it's what i might do. I do yeah
1: totally it's you you mentioned like it might be what we do it also might not be what we do in the situation like might just be what i
0: say sometimes right? i say
1: stuff we all say stuff that's not what we do and i would call that what to do so without further ado um we were just talking yeah, about keeping it. it sexy our first what to do is kind of like an adjacent topic there. So
0: Jess is so horny for a segue. This, I've never met anyone I, hornier for a segue. It
1: just when I listen to all my favorite podcasts and they they don't actually very often they're not effortlessly seg- segueing, but they're like inserting an ad in the middle to make it feel like, OK, now a break. And when yeah. we get back, I just crave a segue. I'm like, we're not doing that yet. So until we do, we're going to transition seamlessly it's just some it's something that gets me going
0: that's funny okay I I I I allow I allow it don't relate I allow thank you
1: (laughs) somebody wrote in my boyfriend and I have been dating for almost two years when we started dating we were going on all kinds of different adventures and exploring places we haven't been before in the last couple of months we faded out of the honeymoon phase and since then all he wants to do is sit around the house how do we keep things exciting and how do I get him out of the house help please all right loaded I have so many reactions um I also relate Mm -hmm. I also like I understand I've been there before do you want to do you want to say some things first sure I think everyone relates to this I've been in that
0: I've been in that relationship before it's like pretty it's like a standard phase I feel like for most people currently my very very new relationship I'm I would say we're very much in a honeymoon phase. Also, Justin, first of all, he's listening to this episode. Bitch is so fucking active. Like, <laughs> I'm the lazy one. I'm the lazy one. And I can be I can be a real lazy piece of shit. Bitch is so active, I don't even know if this will ever really be an issue. But regardless, I've been I've felt this in past relationships before. And um I mean, a couple different things, but at first when you're like, how do we? How do I get him out of the house? I would just say, like, say something you want to do. Like, take the initiative. Right. I'm not I'm not even a big planner, but if I'm feeling like, uh, things would feel more fun if we were doing something, then just be like, this is the thing I want to do. And I would be like, let's go get a drink and get this place. And if he shuts it down, then you, like, propose a different thing. And if it's a pattern of him, like, shutting things down, like, two or three in a row, then I would go into, like, why it's important to you. And the answer probably is because, like, you want to feel connected and excited. It's all, like, the truth is always really something, it's very complimentary.
1: Mm-hmm. You want to spend time with them in this way. Yeah. yeah.
0: I want to, I want to, like, have our, like, exciting, fun, adventurous, spicy moments with you. It's a huge compliment. And this is how I'm thinking of doing that. First of all, how is anyone going to respond badly to that? Like, you want them, you want to spend, like, fun time with them. It's a compliment. And then you can hear, maybe there's some other reason that they're shooting those things down. And then you can start getting to the truth and like bridge the gap there. I've also been in a relationship where they're just like, it really, they really don't care what you want. And Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a pretty important answer. Yeah. Yeah. I would just start, I would just start like, how do we get out of the house? Start planning shit.
1: Yeah. Agree. And also, I wonder if you already feel like you do all the planning. And so maybe Mm. part of... The question is, like, he never wants to do anything. He never wants to get out of the house. I end up planning it and making it happen anytime that we do. And that's part of what's frustrating me. I'm just elaborating here because that's something that I feel like is really relatable to me and a situation I've found myself in before of, like, I'm the active one in a lot of my interpersonal relationships. I'm the one that's always like, let's go to this comedy show. Let's go to this bar. And I'm the planner. Um, Mm. And so, like, even if my partner would very well want to do those things, they might have gotten accustomed to the fact that Jess is going to plan it. Jess has what we're doing this weekend. Jess probably has something in mind that she's excited about. And they're happy to, like, be the supporting character and go to the things that I want to go to. And that's nice to a certain point. And then it becomes like, okay, I'm putting in all the effort to make the plans. But that's almost not even their fault a lot of the times because like i'm not leaving space for them to to do it i've just taken yeah. that role and they don't know that i'd be happy for them to share that role
0: and i think when it's someone who seems to love doing it as the lazy person i will say it's easy right. to assume i do i do try to stay conscious of like i need to plan like one of every four things like, I've talked with Justin. He likes planning things. I'm like, that's fucking perverted. But OK, I'll let you have it. <laughs> but I still stay conscious of, like, some kind of ratio. But I think it's also easy to just assume, Jess loves planning it, so I'm going to let her do it. But it's still it still does take effort from you.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah, it could be, like, a subconscious thing happening where they're just, like, in this pattern with you, comfortable with you. You've been together for two years. And they're like, this is the way it always is. And it's working for me because I don't like doing those things. And she does. So to actually be able to pinpoint that if it is what's happening and communicate it to them and explain why it would make you feel loved for them to plan something or whatever it would make you feel that you're craving. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that's always a good way to open those conversations with your partner because it's like, yeah, it's a way that you could they can show you. Affection that maybe they haven't been. Mm -hmm. And I also agree with, like, if that's not what's happening, then of course, find things that you want to do, suggest things. You can also do that more subtly. Of course, I don't want to encourage like being passive aggressive, but there's little ways that you can hint, like, something that I've done before is just be like, oh, I really, I like got this new outfit and I really want to go out like I'm craving going out and getting dressed up and I want to wear this new outfit yeah and that's like a little subtle hint if you don't feel like coming out and asking for them to plan something you know what's funny I was just talking to a friend about this how I
0: feel like things like that where you're like kind of hinting at something and maybe not being super super direct I think it's more acceptable than I used to think that it was I think it's Mm -hmm. actually kind of more important than I used to think that it was Something about it feels like, I think something about it feels like 50s housewife-y, but... Totally. I
1: don't know. I don't quite have the words for it. There's something to making someone think that it was their idea. (laughs) I'll just say it. Like, not always, not always, not in every situation. And I'm like such a proponent of direct communication, but sometimes hinting and being subtle... Sometimes indirect communication is hot. It gives them the opportunity to do something for you as opposed to you asking for it directly and then them giving it to you and then you kind of being like, well, I asked them directly. Yeah. Like if you hint and they piece it together, they can still feel really good about the fact that they like did that for you and you didn't have to directly ask, but you still like made your...
0: Yes. intention
1: known. It's a very subtle. It's funny
0: because I feel like the main things that people want in a relationship like we all yeah. want like this place we feel so safe and so comfortable and so known and so at ease but we also really want like the spice and the heat and the fire and I, I do think that those are directly at odds with each other. I think that they are. I think that you reach middle age and you have like a lot of one or the other and ideally we all want a mix of both but I think it's so funny because I I don't think in the past I would have been like I have an aunt who was like you should be able to take a shit in the same room as your partner and I was like oh that's an I was just like an impressionable young child and I was like that's really interesting I'm 11 like the what what an interesting (laughs) form of intimacy and I think I just kind of took her word for it because she actually has a really good relationship with her husband. And then as I got older, I'm like, no, I want to preserve a lot of mystery. Like, it's in the mystery that things are sexy. That's all, like, the early honeymoon or courting or dating is. It's, like, so much that you don't know. So much that you have to wonder. It's it's not sitting, staring at each other on the couch watching each other get undressed and dressed every morning. Like, there's a lovely intimacy to that, and I also love that. But I think you have to be careful with it. I think you – I think it's okay. I guess it depends on what you value most. But to me, it feels okay more and more to be like, I'm going to cap that off at a certain point and make sure – that we don't know every single thing about each other because that's the space in which you get to covet each other. Like one of the hottest things, if you're looking to revive a relationship is like being out in public, you know, at a bar, at a party, with friends in a group and getting to watch other people enjoy your person, laugh at their jokes, fucking undress them with their eyes, like ogle them a little bit, it's, it's, it's very, It really, like, lights something up in in a certain space within, like, reason, you know? I think it turns everyone on, and you just forget about it if you're just sitting at home on the couch together all the time. We really all want to be so comfortable and so safe, but I think if you want the fire, you have to dose it out intentionally.
1: Yeah, I think that's well put. Like, it is this thing that's at odds because... And I think everyone has a different... Ratio of like stability and calm and predictability to fire and spontaneity that they need. Mm -hmm. That balance is a little bit different for everyone and I think it becomes hard when like 80% of what you want is the stability and the comfort and the predictability and only 20% is the fire because then you get, you and your partner in this scenario get really used to the 80%. And you're happy with it most of the time. Also, it's easier.
0: It's just literally easier. It's the same as like when you're single and trying to make new friends. Every time Friday night comes around, it is easier. Like the immediate thing I want to do is sit at home. Whether I'm in a couple or not, the immediate thing I want to do is be home. It's easier. I like to do what Mm -hmm. I like to do. It's much harder to like go out and organize an evening and go through. But it's. it's, I think it's the same. It's like one of those things that's good for your health. And in the short term, like going to the gym, like eating well, like working on your social life, it like is a little less convenient in the short term. But I think you benefit from it long term.
1: Yep. Another thing that um, is adjacent to this, but I think it's related, because she talked about being like, out of the honeymoon phase at this point and Mm. missing the adventure. (laughs) Okay, I'm just going to make it a little bit about sex for a second. Please. Because I also think that, like, you can get really in your routine with sex with a partner after two years. And sometimes people are craving, like, switching it up. But you've been doing it this way, and it works, and it's good, and, like, no complaints. But it's also not anything new, and it's not something that maybe you're, like, chomping at the bit for the way you were when you first got together and so it's really hard to like introduce new ways of doing it or talk about like I'd like to try this thing and something that my previous favorite podcast it, I listen to it less now but I still think it's a good one girls gotta eat always says it's, it's about sex and dating and relationships they're like say to your partner I heard about this thing on a podcast like if you feel uncomfortable just Mm. coming out and saying I want to switch things up in this way whether it's about sex or it's about like the way that you guys live your lives and the dates that you go on and whatever blame it on something that you saw online blame it on a podcast if you feel shy about it (laughs) be like I I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about this and it made me think about us like it could help you couch your fear about bringing these things up that's just there's probably other ways to do that too but it's something that's helped me actually in like expanding my my experience and my boundaries when it comes to keeping relationships fiery it was like oh I heard about this thing and I don't know is that kind of weird like it kind of interested me and then if you're with somebody who wants to make you happy and fulfilled and cares about you know trying things with you then they should make you feel comfortable once you've done that so I love that that's another little tidbit
0: also when you say like oh not to make this about sex to me I'm like this this question this listener question this is about sex yeah it's yeah. it's all related to sex if I think it's very much related to like oh we want to spice up our sex life you know things have plateaued or grown stagnant I think it starts with like adding mystery about each other sitting on the couch mm-hmm. less with each other, like, going out into a new environment and almost, like, forcing a little distance in some way. Even if it's distance, just, like, we're at a bar and we have to, like, watch each other be in a group at a bar and, like, not manhandle each other because we're at a bar and it, like, starts to build something. And, like, that comes into the bedroom. Yeah, if the question is, spicing up your sex life, I actually
1: feel like it starts here, too. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. There's, there's some, like, sex therapists and stuff that'll say that, any problem like interpersonally that you're having with your partner like in communication in feeling connected and whatever starts with like look at your sex life and what's happening there I don't know if that's fully oh I true, think, but I do think, think that there's something to it
0: I think you're I think the state this the, the state of the union of the bedroom is like a direct reflection a very honest reflection of things yeah yeah often yeah
1: Okay, that's a good segue. Ooh,
0: okay. To what? (laughs) Freaking segue to
1: what? So we get this DM that just says in all caps, "What to do," and then following that it says, "Eye contact, giving head." End of end of DM. That was it. That's all she wrote. I'm just saying, not not
0: necessarily a question. No. Not sure who who's the speaker here. Are you saying? receiving the (laughs) eye contact during head is a problem are you asking us how to do it more i'm not there's a lot of questions here that you have Mm -hmm. left
1: unanswered (laughs) is the writer of the dm the one that's giving head are they the one that's receiving head oh are they initiating the eye contact are they receiving the eye contact and not knowing what to do in response to it i'll say this right now yeah Eye contact should happen during head. That's my stance, and I'm sticking with it. That's her platform. That's my platform in both directions. It makes it not, like, constantly. You don't need to be, like, fucking locking (laughs) eyes the whole time, you weirdos. I just mean, like, some glances, some sexy glances. There's something to it. Totally.
0: No? Totally. Yeah, listen, I don't like to give away too many of my secrets, but... sure.
1: You you just spoke about mystery, which I couldn't relate less to, but (laughs) yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, I think there's times where eye contact is great, and then there are times when I'm specifically like, no eye contact because I want to like let someone be in their world kind of mm-hmm. or i don't know i think both yeah i'm not i'm not it's i don't think non-stop eye contact
1: no i don't, i i hope that that's not what <laughs> this person imagine, was suggesting can you imagine
0: <laughs> what but also the alternative like of no eye contact it's funny to me that this is even a question
1: i don't know it depends i guess i guess my point is just you don't need to avoid it like i no. don't think it's a weird Thing that needs to be avoided and if it happens it's like oh my god how weird like I actually think it can add to the to the vibe in in moments yeah it's like a weird dare yeah totally
0: adds to the vibe <laughs> I'm just thinking about sex now
1: I know but then other times I get what you're saying of like you're enjoying what you're experiencing and you're just, you, you don't need eye contact. And so maybe your eyes are closed. Maybe you're looking up, like maybe whatever, whatever you're doing.
0: Yeah. If they wrote in about this, I'm, I actually wonder if we should assume they're experiencing eye contact as a problem. Like somebody is giving too
1: much. I, ass- I assume <laughs> so, so. So this
0: is, this is when I, when this is this when I think about like wanting to limit the eye contact? So I'm picking, picturing somebody who's going down on you and they're staring at you non-stop like laser pointers <laughs> at you, that would eventually feel intrusive. I would be like, first of all, I'm trying to focus. First of all, I'm trying to focus. Right. I'm working on something right now, and it involves me forgetting that you're here a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> for a lot of women, I do think this is true. A lot of women, like, all right, okay, generalizations, talking to men and women, I feel like for men, I think I've even talked to my boyfriend about this, but like for men a lot of the time it's like, what gets them there is like with the physical what's happening here now audio-visual and for a lot of women It's like I need to forget that anybody's here
1: <laughs> I to, Yeah,
0: I need to completely disappear into the aristocast and then or an episode <laughs> of the Sopranos and then we're good and it has no Reflection on how attracted I am to the situation. It's just like so emotional. It just has to be such a specific emotional dynamic I think a lot of women kind of disappear mentally so if you're staring me down first of all I like a glance or two but if you're if you're staring me down the whole time I'm gonna be like can you leave for a second <laughs> I'm actually working on something okay
1: but also yes I agree
0: I'm hot dude I'm immediately really overheated I gonna take my spectrum
1: I totally agree with that but I also think like Nobody can force you to return eye contact. Yeah, just keep them Your shut. eyeballs are in your head. Yeah, and but you if you can... know
0: them, Steve, you know they're staring at you. You know they're staring then, at you. Then yeah. I'm closing my eyes, kind of in an act of rebellion, and then I'm, about, <laughs> then I'm thinking about the fact that I'm rebelling rather than the fact that I'm
1: that you're trying to come. And I'm yeah. fucking
0: smushing like a slug. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, say. no, that's fair. I guess I've never been in this situation. Um, now that we really break it down. Too much eye contact. I think it brings us
0: back to what is your fucking question? What is the
1: question? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, write us back. Did we help? What did you want us to say?
0: (laughs) What is your problem? What is the problem you find (laughs) yourself in? What is the problem? What is the problem?
1: Huh. We'll never know. Yep. Okay. Next. I think we solved it. What to do. That sensitive ex sending a birthday message when you're clearly having no contact.
0: So your, your sensitive ex has
1: texted you? Has texted you happy birthday. Okay. And it's like, we're not talking, bro. I'm just going to assume it's a dude. Let's not shame dudes, by the way, for being sensitive. We love a sensitive, a sensitive man. You're the
0: one who said it's a dude. They didn't say it's a dude.
1: Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but I'm just going with <laughs> the narrative that I'm going okay, to use okay, to build okay. out this answer. OK, yeah. I mean, no, this applies to everyone. My strict policy, and I have a story to back it up, is don't text your ex happy birthday. And I know we've talked about Nick Viall and people... He he gets, like, a mixed rating online about how we feel about him. But I do think that he has really good dating advice, and he literally has a book called Don't Text Your Ex Happy Birthday. I haven't read it. I don't read.
0: No, read the title. I think the title it fucking slaps, yeah.
1: Fucking nailed it. My, like, very strong point of view on this is that It's always self-serving to text your ex happy birthday. Oh my God, on their
0: birthday, you're like, I'm going to, let me fucking throw this fucking drama down that you now have to deal with on your birthday. It's so selfish.
1: Even if you think you're on good terms, it's still like, They have to think about you and maybe they don't want to be thinking about you. Maybe you're giving them false hope.
0: It's just like raising their hand and being like, hey, what about me today? Hey, what about what do you think about me today? Exactly. It's totally selfish. And
1: I think this person agrees because they framed it as like when you're clearly having no contact. I mean, what to do? You don't answer. But it is annoying that they did that because especially if you're in a situation where it's clear you haven't talked, like there's a reason for that. I feel like their motive is either to get you to think about them. Sometimes there's a tendency to want to come across like the good guy. Like, oh, I might have broken up with you or we might not be talking right now or I yeah. might have fucked up or something, but I'm still the good one. I'm still a good person. I still love you. I'm saying happy birthday, whatever it is. And it's like, I don't fucking – it's not about you. You're they're doing this to feel like the – the good guy and that's not it's my birthday
0: if they actually were thinking about you and just caring about you they could text you any other fucking day and like Mm -hmm. not color your birthday that way they could just wait one more day so true or text it to you beforehand if they really have a reason they need to get in touch like the actual considerate thing because like sometimes people do break up and get back together the actual considerate thing is to like give this person their day not make it about you and like Maybe I can wait a fucking couple days to talk to them or send it a week ahead of time. And also, I don't know, something that helped me. I think it was, I don't know where I heard this advice, but, but if you're asking that question, should I text my ex happy birthday? Think about like, what is the response you could receive? You text them happy birthday. What is the yeah. response you could receive that would leave you feeling good about the interaction? It's usually like them saying one very specific emotional type of thing that they've never fucking been able to say before and magically they're going to come up with the perfect text. It's like unless you get that text, the exchange sucks and it devastates your day or devastates their day. Unless you get this one specific kind of interaction that you've probably never been able to have with them before. And so on the receiving end too, you get this text from them and you're in the middle of an impossible situation. All of a sudden, yeah, kind of this immediate implication that you have to satisfy they've put something on you the ball's in your court and it's probably impossible you're broken up for a reason you're not talking for a reason it's just like it feels like an impossible situation and it just feels so immature it's so fucking immature the only other reason that they would text on your birthday if not trying to like make it about them is just being like oh well it's like a it's a way to slide in it's an excuse i'm not talking to you just because which like that also is immature that they can't just be like on another day of the year be like i want to speak to you because I'm thinking about our relationship it's fucking immature
1: yeah I mean no notes you know like what would be the best case scenario that you could get in response to this and guess what you've never had that type of interaction with this person first of all my therapist has burned that into my brain and it's so true and you just nailed it there and second of all I was like oh my god this is the promo clip for the episode that is something that everybody (laughs) needs to remember not just when they're considering texting an ex happy birthday but just texting an ex in general more often than not they're not going to give you what you're looking for it just is what it is I mean you can test it you can test it so my quick story is when my my longtime boyfriend of five years and I broke up literally in our breakup conversation because that was my first big breakup that I ever went through and his birthday was like two or three weeks later so in our breakup conversation I was like I hope that we can still text happy birthday. Like, I'm still going to say happy birthday to you if that's okay in three weeks or whatever. And he was like, yeah, of course. And I'm going to do that for you. And so, okay, breakup happens. Devastation for the next couple weeks happens. I'm finally starting to feel better. But also in my head, I'm like, I know that I have this three-week mark when I'm going to be able to text him Mm. because we said we'd say happy birthday. Mm -hmm. And I did text him happy birthday and said something nice. And in response... He said something, thank you, whatever. And he said, love you in the text. And it fucked me up for like three more months. Then it got to my birthday and I'm having a great Mm. day. My life is a lot better than it was. Like everything's on track, but I still have it in my head. Like I think I'm going to hear from him today or what if I don't? And like you've just set yourself up for this like unrealistic expectation. And if I do, what's he going to say? Finally, like late night that night. He texted me. He said, Love you in the text again, which just like is so fucking. There was no chance we were ever gonna get back together. Both of us knew that we shouldn't, but he still wanted to make sure in both of these exchanges, like, I remember that he loves me and that we're good and like, whatever, threw off my whole birthday. But if he hadn't texted me, I would have similarly been like, Oh, but. He didn't text me, and I thought he would. Like, there's just no winning yeah. unless you're very clear the whole time that we're not doing this. I'm not doing it. You're not doing it. Doesn't mean we'll never talk again. But the birthday text is too loaded, and, like, there's no positive outcome.
0: Tanks you either (laughs) way. That's why one of the best things that I did, and I was pushed to it, but blocking an ex's number, not because I was mad, and I would even tell him – I was blocking his number. I didn't want it to be a surprise. I just didn't want to be afraid of my phone because it yeah. when it when it becomes like volatile or you're like what's what am I going to receive? When am I going to wake up to a mean text? When am I going to wake up to a loving text? Like I just didn't want to be bracing for it all the time. And so for that reason blocking someone's number. Here's my fucking email. If if something important mm-hmm. happens, You can get in contact with me, but you have to like put more thought into it. And I didn't want to be afraid of my phone and like always bracing for something. And uh, yeah, that's how you can feel going into your birthday. So just go like, you know, go into your birthday. You know, I don't really think about this shit anymore, but it's a birthday near the breakup and you don't want to have to be thinking about it. Block their number and then you know exactly what's gonna happen. You're
1: not gonna get anything. Love it. Love Okay, that's it.
0: Okay, dope. Dope as hell. All
1: right. So final what to do for the episode. This person actually sent us a reel that I'm going to try to play. And it said, what to do when your friends do this to you? You just need to learn to be alone first. (laughs) I'm so glad I'm in a relationship. I could never do the whole dating thing. Good luck though. (laughs) You need to stop being so picky. Nobody's perfect. (laughs) Why do you want to be in a relationship so bad? It's like overrated. Like take it from me. I've been in a relationship for six years. (laughs) Are you? Okay. I think we get the point. So basically, this person is single, I'm assuming, has friends who are in relationships. And whenever it comes up, like, how do I meet some? Maybe they ask for advice. Maybe they don't ask for advice. And their friends are just like spewing this type of commentary their way. But either way their friends who are in relationships make them feel just like unsupported, not understood, saying things like, "Oh, when I was single, I could never have been on the apps or telling you why you're single, telling you why mm. it's your fault." It's very condescending.
0: I will say I experienced that a lot as a single person. I don't think people realize they were doing it. And I wasn't even I wasn't even craving being in a relationship. It was like I I was not craving being in a relationship, but I felt all the time this attitude that like, I don't even think people would realize that they felt or communicated this, but that like, by the virtue of them being in a relationship, they were more mature. Or by the virtue Mm -hmm. of them being in a relationship and me not, they had figured out something that I hadn't figured out. Whereas like, most of these people's relationships are fucking gross to me didn't respect them (laughs) I felt more mature than them in plenty of ways but there's this implication I don't know people are always telling you how you can achieve their relationship and I'd be like why the fuck would I want your relationship your relationship is so weird right and sometimes it got to me too sometimes it made me feel like I didn't have the answers just because I hadn't met the right person but you might actually be dating like so much more successfully as a single person than they ever were able to. They just like settled down with somebody. To me, successful dating, like dating successfully includes like saying no to the to the wrong people, like saying no, shutting them down, going on a bunch of dates that don't pan out and not like dating wrongly, immaturely is just like latching on to someone cuz you went on a date and you could date and you could be a couple so you do the couple thing. But there, there's a high and mightiness that I get a lot of the time from people in relationships, like like most people, and and it yep. it also really beat down my confidence sometimes. And one of the one of the nicest things my sister actually ever said to me, I like really needed to hear this at one point. She was like, "Oh, I don't feel like you're not ready." Yeah, people like to say this. You're not ready to be in a relationship because I think they want to put logic to why they're with someone and you're not, and they feel mm-hmm. so bad for you. And she was like, oh, I don't feel like you're not ready to be in a relationship. I think you're totally ready. I think you just haven't met the person. Right. And that was so meaningful to hear. And I was like, that is fucking true. Of course I'm fucking ready to be in a relationship. And it's just not – then it's a numbers game at some point.
1: Yeah, there is this notion – and I don't just think it's your friends who are in relationships, but I think it's, like, perpetuated online that Mm -hmm. if you're single – you should be working on yourself and like there's a reason that you're still single and it's because there's more work to do on yourself individually that you couldn't possibly do in a relationship and so you're likely not ready yet and all of this stuff and like I just think it's so far from the truth it is totally more about just when you meet somebody that's worthwhile for you to be in a relationship with like totally numbers game and timing you don't stop learning about yourself hopefully when you're in a relationship you don't stop
0: working on yourself right. so much of the work on yourself you'd actually have to do in a relationship
1: exactly so I really hate that notion and I do think it's like an easy cop-out for people to lean on when you haven't even asked them for their opinion but they just give it to you i was
0: gonna say it's like you haven't even fucking asked them I know I was never being like why am I single like I love being single they're so weird about it because people can't imagine anyone having other anything other than their exact lifestyle or something i don't know
1: right that's what i was just gonna say people have such a tendency i liked when you talked about that to think just they can't see outside themselves and they just think oh i have this (gasps) and so this must be what everyone else wants
0: also everyone's trying to justify their own life choices to themselves all the time
1: Deep insecurity.
0: I mean, it's it's insecurity. (laughs) It's like what everyone's doing all the time. It's what I'm doing on this podcast. We're all doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Deep insecurity that we all have. It's like extremely human, but it is totally like i'm better off because i found a person and they haven't found one yet and like even if it's not perfect at least i have one at least i have someone yeah it's my worst fear to come across this way as a friend on the podcast like i'm sure i have unintentionally but it is something i'm like extremely conscious of because i don't think that we should be selling i don't think we as people like not just people on a podcast should be selling our lives as like the be-all end-all I don't think that we should be acting like just because we have a certain thing, whether it's the relationship or the job or the apartment or house or whatever, whatever aspect of your life you think you've like reached the pinnacle on. I don't think we should be acting like there's a pinnacle and there's like an end to the work and the learning and the trying and the failing and the whatever. Like now that we're both in relationships and we so much of what we talk about on the podcast has been dating And there's learnings from relationships, too. But it's so much more personal and hard to figure out exactly how and when to talk about it. But I want to because I want to make clear that just because we happen to be in relationships doesn't mean that, like, we have the answers. Do you know what I mean? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, totally.
1: I don't know. I'm really sorry that that Mm -hmm. happens. It sucks. We've all felt it.
0: I mean, I would say, like, if you're asking... Actionably, what do you do with that dynamic? Sure, I've definitely experienced that with people, and then it just, I, it just teaches me now I don't share with you. I don't share about my dating life with you. Then I don't share about my relationship with you because you've shown me you can't be trusted with it. You can't be trusted to like really hear whatever the fuck I'm saying or where I am or to see anything other than like a projection of yourself. So cool, you've built some distance between us, and you're not a person I share with anymore. Like, I don't trust you with my information. Yeah. And you can also bring it up to them and be like, hey, I assume you don't know how you're coming off, but just so you know, when you say these things to me, it sounds like this, makes me feel like this, and it hurts, and it makes me not want to share my life with you. I can't tell if the person writing in about this like feels really down about being single or not or if people are just projecting onto them. Yeah. But if you are also feeling down about it, yeah, it's a numbers game. I think I used to feel a similar thing like with friends. There were some periods in, of my life where just socially I was really lonely. And so I used to just be like, oh, that's how I am. That's who I am. I'm not friendable. I'm a loner. I'm a lonely person. That's my identity. And then I just ended up in different context, different environments where it was really easy to make friends and I could make friends and it, it was such a it was a fuch, such a funny and extreme switch to be like sometimes you're just not in a place where you can make friends easily or you're just not in a place where you can date easily and I think when your confidence is being beat down then yeah you start to internalize it as there's something wrong with you but yeah I don't know what am I saying let's move on
1: let's move on yeah I think we crushed it okay
0: wow I've been doing something recently where I feel like this applies to dating as much as in relationships. I'm like in... A, I'm in like a... It's not a full anxiety spiral with my boyfriend. Hey, Justin. Um, but it's like a... It's a light mini one that I basically intentionally put myself in because something came up in conversation that I knew we'd have different opinions on and the content of it itself doesn't really it doesn't really matter that we have different opinions on it it was more one of these moments where I was like I cannot say my opinion which would also be fine except that I wouldn't be like bringing myself to this relationship fully or I can like knowingly and willingly walk forward and saying how I feel and knowing we're gonna disagree and it won't be a fight because we don't really fight over stuff like that I mean we haven't fought um I think we're good at disagreeing, but it makes me a little uncomfortable to share something that I know isn't going to naturally sit well, but I'm like choosing to do it. When it comes up, I choose to do it because I don't want to feel resentment for like not sharing myself and I don't want to have all these parts of myself that I can't share. So I don't know. It's a weird thing where I was like, okay, I'm going to share my opinion and I know we're not gonna feel the same and then that's gonna make me feel a little anxious because what does it mean if we have different opinions? I guess it's vulnerability. Giving yourself the opportunity to be seen also means giving yourself the opportunity to be rejected and you have to choose it. Otherwise you can go really far along in a relationship of any kind where you just like never really let them get to know you and if you don't let them get to know you, you can be like falling in love with somebody because you're getting to know them and you get really far in and then you realize you haven't even really shown them who you are. So of course you can't feel known because you haven't given them the chance. And so it's, I don't know, it's all these instances, whether in dating or in a relationship, where you have to. I feel like I'm like willingly choose to, choosing to like walk down the plank. And it's a funny thing or like um, a more concrete superficial version. This is like a few weeks ago, but I like sometimes like write really like kind of, silly or like weird poems it just like comes out of me sometimes and um I wrote this one about a rat I wrote wrote this one about this dead rat in the like alley near my apartment and I was gonna send it to Justin And then I was like, I don't really think he's going to, like, care for this poem. I don't think he's going to be, like, tickled by it. Or I don't know. I just, like, I decided in my head I knew how he felt about this rap poem. And so I was like, so I'm not going to send it. But it was something I was sending to everybody else. I was sending to my friends. Or I posted about it on Instagram. And, like, you know, people think it's funny or whatever. And so I was like, ugh. I have to send this. I have to send this. (laughs) Even if it's so that, even if it's so he hates it. Or he doesn't like it or like i i sent it kind of assuming it wasn't going to be a point of connection but sending it anyway because like it's a point of me and uh, these moments of like choosing to show who you are, even though you might know. Like you don't connect on everything. Yeah. But like choosing putting that out there rather than just like hiding parts of yourself all the time, does this make sense?
1: Am I saying anything? Am I saying am I sounding so dumb? It does make sense. You're saying like what the hardest part of relationships is, I think, is like we decided that we're attracted to each other. We have fun with each other. Like, the good times are, are nice. But, like, do you actually know me? And am I, am I going to let you know me? Yes. And yeah. That takes time. And it also yeah. takes you letting them in and you showing them those pieces of yourself that are weird or are not for everyone. <laughs> or I'm Like, look at this
0: one. Look at this thing. Come over here. Check this fucking thing out. It's
1: ridiculous. I mean, I'm doing it all the time. But... It's interesting because I think different people have different, like, propensities for that. Like, I have a thing where I cannot Mm. not do that. So I do it. Like, I've been doing it from day one. I still, though, have the reaction sometimes that you're describing where, like, I'll really send it and I'll really be myself and I'll do some weird bit and, like, voice and, like, act out of something And it'll even get a good response, but I still afterwards will think to myself, like, oh, should I not have... Yeah. Should I not have done that? Like, was that too weird? Did Maybe he just laughed because he was trying to make me feel good, but, like, deep down he thought that was weird or whatever. I still will keep doing it because I just have this compulsion to, like be an open book. It just is the way I've always been and I don't know how to stop it and I think that's like a great thing. No, I think it is a great thing. I think it's a great thing about me, but I still have this like sense of maybe I shouldn't. Uh, maybe that was unattractive. Maybe he like really doesn't get that and then what happens next?
0: And then you get to find out if that's the right person for you. Like True. I think this is this is like the difference between like is some is something you do weird or is it cute? It just, like, depends how the person basically already feels about you. Yeah. Like, yeah, probably someone will think it's unattractive. You think people don't think things are unattractive about me all the time? Yeah, I don't date them. It, yeah, like, you'll find out important information. Yep. This thing that's core to me and it's important to me, like, I understand these things intellectually. That's why I'm forcing myself to do it. But um, my my instinct is so the opposite. I can completely conceal my soul it it usually happens with a guy i i need to hold myself accountable by this is why like early on in our relationship or early on in dating justin i invited him to like this big event it was my sister's book event i invited him to my sister's book event because there's gonna be a bunch of people there a bunch of my friends a bunch of my family and in my head it was like i need to be held accountable to be seen being myself even if it's so he can choose that he doesn't actually like me but like I have to put myself in situations where I'm being forced to be myself
1: yeah because otherwise you won't if it's just the two of you on a date or in your apartment or something like you may you have too much um time like I don't know what the word is
0: I'm inclined to just become someone that they'll like yeah I've done that I've definitely done that before in relationships to just like whittle myself down and kind of you know shave off the sharp edges and be someone that just fits into their life somebody that they just
1: like yeah I get that the other interesting thing about it is like when two people in a relationship are a little bit at different paces like I don't know how Justin is but with my boyfriend um he is more like you not in the sense that he will like shave off parts of himself to fit into somebody's life. He actually doesn't do that at all, and he's very, like, who he is all the time in the way that he, like, operates in the world and, like, goes about his days and stuff like that. But in terms of, like, opening up, it takes him a lot longer. And so now it's an interesting thing of, like, I, like, opened the gates of heaven and hell that are me (laughs) from the get-go and, like, poured (laughs) it all out onto him. And he only after some time started to slowly do that. And so I'm like naked (laughs) and he's like starting to catch up slowly later. And that's an interesting dynamic as well where like I don't, there's nothing wrong with it. It's who he is. Like I can understand there are reasons that somebody who's like that is that way. And And I'm like happy to be a person that they can slowly but surely like trust with more of themselves. But it's so different than myself. Like, I was on date three asking for, like, oh, and you feel this way. Why do you feel that way? Oh, like, tell me more about (laughs) this thing. And he's like, who is this girl? But he stuck around because he liked it about me. But he also was like, that doesn't mean I can match it yet. It's definitely something I think about a lot. I I totally, like, get exactly what you're talking about. And I'm proud of you. (laughs) thanks. I have a complaint. It's been a little minute. I think, since I've shared a true complaint. I don't think it's petty. I think it's exactly what ruins my day every single day. And it is that there is perpetually a smudge on every single pair of glasses or sunglasses that I own. Oh, my God. And no matter how many times I use the microfiber fucking towelette thing, I cannot get this one smudge in this one spot out. Preach, bitch. And it will ruin a day it, um, i can't stand it why does this happen I, do you have answers I
0: literally have been thinking about this like a week ago i was like why haven't they come out with a smudge proof glasses like they have glare proof they have blue mm-hmm. light proof why isn't there just a fucking smudge proof glasses so i can see through the thing i need to see through and it also gets me thinking about like god it's gotta suck to have glaucoma or fucking something <laughs> where you like can't, you're losing your vision. I don't know if that's what happened with glaucoma, but like you're losing your vision. I'm looking through these glasses or these sunglasses and I feel like I can't see half the time. And it's like, that was your job. I really agree. I'm cleaning them all day and they're always dirty.
1: I, it's gotten to the point where I would rather, like, when I'm laying in bed at night watching Love Island and I have my glasses, I've taken out my contacts, which are also fucked up and smudgy Same, and hurt my eyes and have their own with issues with What is wrong with us recently? Them. I'm
0: having a, th- we're, I'm also experiencing this. <laughs> I know.
1: The I'm decaying. Yeah. Like, my eyes are decaying quickly. Yeah. And I think it's because of looking at screens probably, but that's what the glasses are supposed to fix. Yeah. So anyway, at the end of the night, I take out my contacts, I put in my glasses, I'm laying in bed watching Love Island, and I would rather take my glasses off and watch it blind and just like enjoy the auditory experience of these islanders arguing with each other because I cannot see through just to stick
0: it to your glasses my glasses they ruin yeah, it you show them I agree thank you I agree I'm angry I'm angry and it's one of those things where there's actually Thanks. no one I can be mad at
1: yeah, am I mad at myself? Because supposedly, I, I I can safely assume I think that like when I bought the glasses, they didn't have that smudge, so I must have.
0: Are you saying there's a permanent smudge, or you're saying I'm saying my glasses just always seem smudged, and maybe I get them clean for two seconds. You're saying, maybe you've damaged your glasses. It <laughs> sounds like maybe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I think, I it just feels like the smudge that. It just feels like there's a smudge that I can't get out that's always in the same spot. That is quite poetic, and let's dig into that. The smudge she can't get out. <laughs> out, out, damn spot. Wow. That actually made me feel better about it, because at least it can be art. Wow.
0: Yo, dog. This was a what to do episode. Um, I loved doing this. And I hope you guys continue to write in with what to do. If we touched on something that you sent in and you wanna send your reactions or wanna clarify who is giving head to who um dm us or tag us in a story or maybe that one needs to be a private dm and um
1: put it on your story we're all about (laughs)
0: fucking story
1: open book just (laughs) so funny if you're more of a caroline then you're you're gonna dm (sighs) it to us and you're gonna be mysterious and if you're more of a jess you're gonna put it on your story and we leave space for both
0: (laughs) the only thing we don't leave space for is getting a wax right please everyone if you listen to this podcast you have to start getting lasered or keep your body here. I don't really want anything else in between. So just right. we have to talk, and we'll talk. You can follow us on Instagram. Not for everyone. Pod with a number four. is Jay Z DeBakey. I'm on YouTube. Caroline Winkler. T T Y L. Love you guys.
1: Bye. Bye. The people are power washing my deck like. It's their fucking job because it is. And it is their job. It is definitely their job, <laughs> and it's the reason they're here.